I've never understood and never subscribed to the struggling artist narrative, the starving artist vision that in order to make fantastic art, you must starve and you must feel pain and you must suffer. I I never really understood that and never resonated with me. And sometimes I feel like we still see traces of that thinking nowadays without even realizing that that's what it is, that people feel like if they sell their own art, they're selling out. So we have Mariana here from Desk and Design. Mariana, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you for the invitation. I wanted to bring you on uh, because I found a pretty unique service out there that you offer. Um, You sort of create a, you can create websites for artists in under two weeks. And when I kind of went to your website, looked through the service, walked through it, I thought it was uh, really unique, really special. And I think something that maybe other artists or other creatives could add to their business. Um, So I kind of want to jump into that and learn. Really, how you got started as as a designer, how you got started as in designing websites. Um, so maybe, I guess, for the audience, a little you know, two three minute potted intro of who you are and what you're about. Well, I'm like you said, Mariana from Desk and Design, and my I specialize in um, making creating two week websites for artists, and that really is uh, maybe not the most appropriate name for the service, but it's the most concise way. Um, to to talk about what I do. But in reality, what's under the umbrella of that two-week website is branding, copy, and web design. So it's all of that in two weeks. Um, I uh, specializing with fine artists. I used to be more creatives, but then I, I, I needed to niche down a little bit more. And so I did. Um I live in Michigan um, and um, I work from home, (laughs) which is, it was great until pandemic hit. And now it's kind of a multitasking challenge to say the least. Um, But I really enjoy what I do. And I, I, it it only strengthens my, my resolve to, to keep working on this same model um, because it really nourishes me as a professional and as a creative. Um. So yeah, how I got started was um, ages ago, (laughs) I graduated from the College for Creative Studies um, here in Detroit with a bachelor's in fine arts. Um, I was going to go into graphic design, um, but when I was taking a tour of the school, I saw the ceramic studio and I fell in love. And so I decided to, to focus on ceramics, even though the graphic design um, love that I had never really went away. <laughs> um, so after I graduated, I had, um, I always had like a, a draw to have my own business. Um, I come from a, a line of entrepreneurs. Um, my dad has had his own business, um, for, for pretty much forever. Um, my grandfather was a doctor in a small town and my great grandfather had like multiple businesses, um, where, he he just um, took advantage of what was needed and made a business. So it's in my blood. Um, then, so yeah, I opened up a, a tile handmade tile shop, um, and I it was so difficult because I just had a vision of what I wanted to do, but I didn't have a roadmap. 
because yes, I learned how to create art in art school, but I didn't learn how to have a business. And so I had to learn the hard way, the very long way, how to have a business alongside um, creating art. And that was very, very challenging. And I made all sorts of mistakes um, in that business that was actually now in retrospect, a very expensive hobby. Um, but I, I kept at it and I had to close that business. Um, and, you know, I went to work in corporate America, which felt horrendous, um, and crushing. Um, and after a few years of that, I had to open my own creative business. I had to have that creative outlet that I wanted to have. Um, I was living in a small apartment, so I don't have access to, um, to have a big ceramic studio. And so what I could do was work creatively from my laptop. And so I started um, creating digital art prints that I sold over Etsy all over the world. Um, and it was great. That's where I honed in my, my love for graphic design. Um, and, and I did it successfully. Although I still had to nail down the business aspect of it. I don't think I ever paid myself out of the business unless I saw something at a store that I really wanted that was outside of my budget. And then I kind of like just take it from my business <laughs> to buy it. Um, so it wasn't, um, again, like a, it was a side business. So a side hustle that I didn't really have to, to work on to survive. And so I didn't, quite take it as seriously. Um, and after the birth of my son, um, I, I didn't find that business sustainable enough <laughs> for me anymore. It was very draining to print out all the prints and go to the post office all the time. And so I decided to, to shift away from that and, um, open another business <laughs> making, um, herbal, goods, um, like salves and, and teas, because that's what I was into at the time. Um, because I had just had a, a baby and I wanted to create things that um, were natural and safe. And so I, I turned that into a business and it was really, really successful and creative, but I hit a ceiling with it. I couldn't grow it without compromising my values and the things that I was setting out to do. But I did um, learn a lot about business. I learned about the value of a website. I learned the value of an online presence and of more intentional marketing. Um, and I really learned how to see a business as a way to take care of my needs and my, um, and my family. Um, and so when I was feeling like I hit that ceiling and I wanted to create again from my computer, um, more digitally, I opened Desk and Design. Uh, but this one was different. This one started with a vision of what I wanted, and then I reverse engineered it. <laughs> I wanted to feel inspired. And so, yeah, it was a series of long steps that got me to the two-week website, but here I am. <laughs> Throughout that journey, you know, leading up to Desk and Design, um, it sounds like you went to you were on a lot of different businesses. You were doing a lot of different avenues, you know, starting with ceramics and then going to to graphic design or back to graphic design. Um, maybe you can speak a little bit if you personally felt any kind of like imposter syndrome or um, did any time during those businesses 
leading up to Destiny Design? Do you feel like I shouldn't be doing this or, or like what gives me the right to do this? Or like, this is why, you know, to go, it's, it's funny to hear it to go from pottery to graphic design to herbal teas. Um, what was sort of like, what's been your internal dialogue, uh, about going through these businesses and, um, did you take it with confidence? Did, was it rocky at the start? Did you, did you feel overwhelmed running any of these businesses? Um, it's funny because I don't recall any feelings of imposter syndrome and I didn't even know that phrase. So it might've not even registered because I didn't know it was a thing. Um, having said that, I was also very naive and I just wanted to do something and I just did it without considering anything else. Um, so the imposter syndrome didn't hit me until maybe the herbal business where there's like this whole community of herbalists that are really respected and they have all this training. And that's where I kind of had that dialogue like, oh, do I, should I call myself this? Like, is that what I do? Do I need to pull back? Like, that's where, where I really learned about imposter syndrome. I learned the term and I learned the feeling for the first time because before I was really in my own zone. I didn't feel like I was a competitor to anybody or I, I didn't feel like anybody was my, my competition, I should say. Um, and so I was just in my own little niche, feeling really in alignment with what I was creating, knowing that um, I had to honor the place where I was. I wasn't an advanced, you know, factory making ceramic tiles, for example. I was just one person in my basement studio working. And so I was giving myself a lot of grace. But, you know, later on in the, the herbal business, I... I started feeling that because it didn't seem like my profile really fit in to, to the other established herbalists out there. Now tell me about the vision for desk and design. Cause I don't think, I don't think you're in the majority to say like when people start a business, they start with a vision and kind of reverse engineer. I think a lot of people start just doing what they love or start something that they think is a good idea and then try to like, you know, invent a, invent an airplane as they're falling through the sky and hopefully they don't hit the ground. Um, tell, <laughs> uh, tell me one about, you know, of course about the, the vision of destined design and then what, you know, what inside you sparked that I need to make a vision. I need to have, uh, I need to have a vision for this instead of just doing something that I just felt was cool or just felt was interesting at the time. Kind of walk me through that. With the herbal business, I really started to embrace myself as an entrepreneur. So I had, you know, this, this knowledge of like, yeah, I really need to look at my pricing. I really need to look at my process of, of what I'm doing so that I can do something that's sustainable and pay myself a fair wage. Um, and so that was really important from the get-go. And Desk and Design started, um, it's really funny, as a VA business. <laughs> um, and that was because I wanted to work with um, people who really wanted to change the world, who were doing good, women specifically. So it was going to be like women who maybe coaches who were working with other women or people who had an impact. And I wanted to for desk and design to amplify that impact so that they could do more 
of what they do best. Um, and so I started very simply with graphic design, VA type work. Um, and, but I realized that even though that may, met my mission, um, with what I wanted to do, it wasn't quite meeting my, my, my own personal needs because I was tying every dollar to an, to, to my time. And so that would become really unsustainable because then I would end up having to charge, I don't know, $500 to make a decent amount of money working the hours that I had to work as a, as a mom. Um, and so that's when I kind of, you know, hit the brakes real hard and said, okay, let me reimagine this business so that it fits me instead of me trying to fit into a model that, you know, that I, that's expected or that's the standard. Um, and so I started thinking about how I wanted to feel at the end of the day and my, my feeling, what I seek is to feel inspired and trying to think of who my ideal clients would be. I felt like creatives or like, um, helpers was too broad of a term. And what I really wanted to do is what intersected with my keyword, my inspired keyword was art. Um, art is something that I love. I collect, um, I love artists. I understand them. I am one. And so that intersection of how I want to feel at the end of the day with people that I know and that I really love serving who are also doing good things in the world made it a no brainer to like focus on artists. Um, and, you know, throughout the, the herbal business and at the very beginning of desk and design, I learned how to create websites and I loved it because I was able to, to, you know, design something graphic digitally, like I was used to. Um, but it was actually really highly functional. <laughs> it was a website. Um, and so, I started offering websites for artists and in the, in my own needs of really communicating well, what I did and who it was for. Um, I, I took a, a copywriting course and man, I found this like hidden love or this avenue for, for my passion for writing, which I always kind of had on the side as a secret, like nobody ever knew that I loved writing and so copywriting, um, after taking that course became like this other creative avenue that allowed me to express myself in the written word, um, that was also very based in science and functional. <laughs> so, um, it, it kind of just became really key for me to, to join those two together because branding is, and not branding, but like websites is not just about a website. It has to tell a story. And that story is, is um, made up from the message that you want to tell and the supporting visuals that can't be in conflict with that message. And so 
speaking from that perspective, I wanted to have a holistic view and control over the whole brand, the whole message and how it's presented, uh, both visually and verbally. And so it was very kind of like a no brainer. Like I just need to do all these three things so that people can have a cohesive um brand <laughs> because this is what it is it's not just a website it's not just a logo and it's not just copy it's all of it together being an artist yourself maybe you can illuminate a little bit about the problem that you saw that needs to be solved you know with uh i think as artists the the main priority is to create and hopefully create and be able to sell that creation at the very end um and I think a, a website or branding or a logo or, or, you know, like you say, even good copy gets sort of like lost in it or it becomes second priority or becomes an afterthought. Um, maybe you can speak to that, speak about fulfilling that need or maybe going a little bit more into about, about that, that kind of core problem that a lot of artists face that, you know, all they want to do is just do the thing they're good at is creating, whether it's ceramics or painting or or graphic design, um, and maybe speak a little bit about the the need for a brand, the need in the, in solving that need uh, with desk and design. Sure, um, and I might um, get my soapbox out. <laughs> Go for it. And <laughs> stand on, um, but I've never understood and never subscribed to the struggling artist narrative, the starving artist vision that in order to make fantastic art, you must starve and you must feel pain and you must suffer um i i never really understood that and never resonated with me and sometimes i feel like we still see traces of that thinking nowadays um and without even realizing that that's what it is that people feel like if they sell their own art they're selling out and that was a problem that I was seeing from a lot of artists because, you know, not everybody has um, a gallery representing them, nor do they want to. They they want to um, sell their own works under their own terms and keep the profits without splitting them. And but then how how do they balance that, you know, that they want to sell their own work, but they don't want to sound salesy or seem like they're selling out because and they don't feel like true artists um and so my view of that is that by being a steward of your creativity and really tending to it and um nurturing it you can create better art and part of that stewarding is also stewarding a business, one that is profitable, one that takes care of your needs, one that helps you create more freedom so that you can continue creating. And so to that end, that is where desk and design fits because I help them create this environment that feels really authentic to them and really beautiful in which simply by sharing their stories, they can sell their artwork without cringing every single time they have to <laughs> send somebody to their website. Um, I was seeing also this disconnect between Instagram and their websites, like their Instagram is full of personality and wonderful inspiration, inspirational visions. And like, I know who this person is. 
But then I went to their website and it, the personality, the charm, everything dropped off and it was generic. The art was just on its own without words. And it wasn't the same experience. There was a big disconnect, um, which I think also comes with the idea that art speaks to its, um, by itself, <laughs> it speaks on its own. Um, to a degree, I believe that's right. But if you're selling your own work and you have a website, you have to work a lot harder than just, a, you know, if you had your work in a, in an actual gallery to sell it to someone and you need words and you need clear visuals that inspire trust because, you know, who wants to buy, you know, invest in a thousand, two thousand dollar painting from a website that looks crappy and not trustworthy? Like you're not putting down your credit card digits on that website. It's dangerous. No, I, I had that same conversation with someone this week. It was like it, you ha there has to be some credibility or you have to look credible especially if I'm going to fork over my credit card number to you. Exactly. And so there were all these artists who were struggling, you know, fitting into that, that stereotype, right? Because they're, they were dropping, you know, visitors were dropping and not actually like the, the Instagram followers weren't converting into customers. They're dropping like flies because of that lack of trust. Before we get into the service that you offer, uh, maybe a couple things to keep in mind for artists out there, like uh, when they are building their website, or maybe they've decided to take on the journey of building their own website, or maybe you know start with some sort of template website like Squarespace. Uh, what should they keep in mind, or what are some? You know, and I know you kind of work with artists at the at the beginning stages of the service, um, kind of helping them figure out a brand, figure out who they are. What are some things that they need to keep in mind before signing up or just saying, Hey, I'm going to go out and build my own website. You know, I, it, it's, it seems so easy. Uh, you know, wh what do you mean? What, what steps do I need to take, uh, in order to get ready for that process? You're all excited. You're ready to build a website. You're, you're saying like, I'm going to tackle this in a weekend or a week. And then you, you sign up, you don't, you choose the template and then your break, you, you, the breakdown starts, you know, like what template do I choose? And then you choose one. It takes forever. It's probably not the best one. Um, <laughs> and you keep struggling. Like it just keeps compounding. Um, so something to keep in mind is to, to write your website first. Just write it. Don't design it or don't write it as you're designing it. Have it, have your homepage, your about page, whatever pages it is that you need to sell, have them written. But even a step before then, in order to write your website, you need to know who you're talking to. You can't just write to the internet in general because that doesn't end up connecting um, in, a, in a meaningful way. So I always recommend, and I have my, my own clients go through this exercise of really getting to know and getting um, really familiar with their ideal customer and, you know, coaching them through that, that mindset shift of it's okay to not talk to everybody. It's okay to just talk to this one person because this one person is the one who is going to be so happy to land on your website. 
They're going to come and purchase. They're going to tell their friends about them. They're going to draw in more people like them to you. And so why expand, expend all your energy talking to the internet when you can just talk to this person and make progress on your goals faster? So that's, you know, at a very basic level, know who you're talking to and write your website first and also sketch out an idea of what it's going to look like. It's called wireframing, but you can grab a blank page and then just kind of separate your, your website into sections and say, this is where I'm going to write this. This is where the images are going to go, etc. I think that pre-planning stage is key to avoid overwhelm. <laughs> this is where you're sort of like drawing the boxes and, and, and kind of making a little grid pattern on a piece of paper before or, or do it on Adobe or something like that before anything gets coded, anything gets built. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, you want to have a vision of what it will look like before you even go to pick a template, maybe even before you go to pick a platform <laughs> mm -hmm. to, to design on, because you don't want to fit into a box. You want your website to fit you. Um, and so that's why I want my, you know, I write my copy first. I already know what Squarespace does and it works every single time for my copy. It works every single time for my strategy, um, for, for my clients. And so I just stick with, with Squarespace, but you know, if you're a really gifted coder and you already know that, then, you know, you can also have that liberty of just kind of making things fit how you want them to fit instead of relying on somebody to tell you where to put the text and how long it needs to be. And going back, when you say write out your website, I've never heard this before. You you just mean like open up a Word document and just write your headlines and the body text and the about me page and the contact page. You're, you're just talking about just write it all out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because the copy, uh, I mean, the art is what you sell. It's fantastic and it's beautiful and it needs to be elevated but the copy is the beating heart of your website and it's where connections are built it's how you can make it really easy for a, for somebody like that is your ideal customer um, when they visit the words are going to help you push them <laughs> to add to cart um, and so that's why you know, I want people to be really intentional with their copy and not have the stress of designing it and having it look a certain way before they write their website. So the copy comes first and then the design every single time. <laughs> to almost break it down as a time, like, could you be spending 70%, 75% of your time just planning out the copy and, and planning out the wireframe and just, uh, and then the actual physical act of dropping in the photos and at picking the fonts and, and framing it up. That's like, that should be the least amount of time you spend. I mean, um, or cause when I'm hearing this, it's like, you know, how would I know, how, how am I going to know everything that's going to go on my website? How can, you know, I, I can imagine like the basic key elements, like yeah, homepage and about me and maybe write about the services. But, um, how am I going to know everything that there is, that needs to be written out or everything that needs to be planned out in a website? Um, or, or should I leave a little room for some spontaneity and kind of like, um, or, or create templates? Like how, maybe walking through that kind of pre-production process of writing and, um, yeah, and all that, like, do I need to get everything written down or do I need to leave a little bit of gap or just get some of it written down? 
you know, if you know your ideal customer, if you know who you're talking to, what, what, what they need to know about you and about your work to purchase from you, then it becomes a little bit easier knowing what goes on each page. It becomes really easy to learn which pages you need um, and, and how to structure them. So for example, if you're selling, yeah, if you're selling ceramics, let's say you're selling dishes, you're going to need, you know, an introduction. Everybody needs a homepage. <laughs> That's a no brainer. Your customers are also going to need to know about the quality they need to understand before they, you know, spend money buying this beautiful handmade ceramic wares. Let's say it's dishes. Um, they're going to have to, to see that they can trust you so that, so you'll need testimonials. You'll also need a place for, um, to tell them about you and your process, um, which is an about page. Um, an about page is a great place to, to kind of tell your story through the lens of your ideal customers, feature those kind of social, that social proof testimonials, or I studied here. I was an apprentice at this place. I, all of those things that create trust. Um, and then you might also want a lookbook maybe with like beautiful like table settings featuring your work. And then you need a shop. Do you need a commissions page? Not really. Like not if you're, unless you, that's part of your income strategy is to have commissioned, you know, custom dishware. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of one way to approach it. Like, what do you, what is your people, what do your people need? Um, you might also want, um, uh, another area with testimonials, like you can put them on your about page, but you can also have like a specific page for that from customers that loved your dishes. Um, so yeah. No. And that, and that's why it's, uh, I think that's why you're, you're really emphasizing that you have to know your ideal client. You have, there has to be so much information going into the project, uh, ahead of time before you even start to, you know, do all the fun stuff of adding the colors and the fonts and dropping in the pictures. Yeah. And the, the higher your prices are, the more, you know, high end your goods are, the more selling and the more intentional you need to become. Because if your product only costs, yeah. 20 bucks, then you don't need to do as much selling <laughs> because it's, it's low risk. Uh, but the higher the investment, the more intentional you need to be. I think we've got a really good foundation about uh, what makes up a website, how to have a cohesive brand. Let's get into, let's get into your two week website uh, service that you offer. Um, I'm, I want to know about the origin story of this. I want to know how you first started this or where you got this idea or, um, Tell me the kind of the early baby stages of uh, this website in two weeks project. I used to offer each of those services, the web design, the copy and the branding as standalone services. Um, and I think I, I think I still offer them for two weeks, but the prices were different. So branding was not necessarily going to cost as much as web design and the same with copywriting. I had different price points, um, all under the scope of two weeks. 
Um, however, I, I started realizing that this this was not the best thing for me because it didn't create a consistent um, income for me. I didn't know what work I was going to get. And then I only wanted to work with one client at a time. Um, so it became more clear to me that I needed to set the terms, the boundaries and the offer to suit me. Um, and I also know, knew it was going to suit my clients too, but that was kind of, I was a priority in that package. I am a priority in that package. I, I want to work with one client at a time in the scope of two weeks, the best way I can do like the, the best results come from me having this eagle eye view on the entire brand. That way, also, my clients didn't have to project manage all the things for their website. They didn't have to go to a brand designer. They didn't have to go to a copywriter. They didn't have to go to a web designer. I wanted to save them all, um, all the onboarding, all the search, all the questionnaires that they're probably going to end up filling um, by just working with me. Um, and it ends up working like so well, like it's, it's more efficient. They save money um, because again, everybody charges for the onboarding part of it or should be charging for that if they're not. Um, and so this is kind of just like a really efficient way of doing everything. Um, so I decided to, to create one single package and instead of having, I think it was like so many packages, it was like branding copywriting and website alone, and then in different combinations. And it was just too much to keep track of. And it was also confusing for my clients. Um, and also like if they had a beautiful website, but their copy wasn't great, then the website wasn't going to be that great. Same thing with the branding. They could have beautiful branding, but the, if the website is poorly designed, then the branding's not going to be powerful. <laughs> so yeah, the two week website came about me trying to be like a good steward of the message that I'm trusted with by my clients. Um, and also based on my boundaries and on how I work the best. Now, do you consider this a, uh, I guess we could call this a, a productized service. I've been, I've been trying to learn more about productized services. It's, it seems, I think to a lot of creative services out there, it seems attractive or it seems like there, that's this kind of word that floats out there. This, just the idea that, you know, it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a service, but you're marketing it and you are positioning it with your clients and customers that it's, um, it's a repeatable thing instead of kind of a, if it's service is typically customizable and it's different for every single client and, and the process is different and, you know, you do a discovery session with them and find out that, like you're saying, you know, they have good branding, but they need a website. Um, and instead, they just come to you and it kind of, it, not to say that it shortchanges or that it expedites the discovery process, but in a, in a productized service, the, the customer is able to know exactly what you're going to give them. It's a very streamlined process for you, the, the business owner. Um, or the service provider um, is would you, is that, is this, is that kind of what the, the two week project is, or, you know, uh, is that, is that sounding familiar? Or is that something that um, sort of falls in line with, with something like this, that it's, it's repeatable. And, and I guess also too, with being repeatable, that the, 
that the price is repeatable, that it's um, it's a standard price. There's no tweaking, customizing, custom quotes. It's all just um, the same way you would buy a product or the same way you buy an online course. It has a fixed price and a fixed uh, scope. Are you? Is that sort of what the two-week project falls under? Yes, absolutely. Um, I do have a little bit of wiggle room, um, but that's not really the intent of it. The intent of it is um, I've created this package that seems to work for the majority of the, of my ideal customers. Um, and you're paying for my time too. So let's say I get somebody who says, I really love my logo already. Like, can you just help me fine tune my color palette? I'm like, that's fine. But the price is the price. Um, because I am still going to devote a certain number of hours to this project. And that's what it's about. So I have, when I was structuring the, 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 sorry, the package, um, and trying to come up with a price, the last thing that I wanted to do is try to figure out how much every single little task took me and how much I should charge for it. And so what I did with my first two projects was time myself. I timed every single task of um, the air of all the areas that I had. I timed how long I was on the phone with uh, or on zoom with clients. I timed how long it took me to design on illustrator, how long it took me to build a website and write the copy. And then I was able to really like know how much time I was spending and set those boundaries for myself to work inside of. Um, and so that helped me come up with a repeatable process. I, I tested it with the first two. And then by the third one, I kind of was keeping track of my time and it fit in perfectly. I didn't need any extra. I felt really good about my pricing. I felt really good about my, um, my timing and I nailed it. Like <laughs> it was kind of a miracle, but I nailed how long everything took. Um, and so, yeah, this, this is a really great model because it allows you to know what to expect in terms of income. Um, it helps you set boundaries for how long you're going to spend on each project, which is really important to me, um, because I don't want to be working late hours to get something done. I want to work. I mean, I only have my business hours to to work. And so I need to be really mindful of how I spend my time. And I don't know if you've heard the saying, but like a task will take as long um, as there is time to do it. And so if I put myself on a time limit on a clock on writing copy, I'm going to get it done within that time, every single time. That's what it, that's what happens. Um, and so this is just kind of like a really fantastic model to to play around with, um, you know, if you know your, your ideal customers and you know what they need, you, you serve it to them in a way that they don't have to think about anything. They feel really supported. You feel really supported and everything just works out. <laughs> if, if I were to hire you and go through the process and it's, you know, okay, two weeks, um, what you know day by day what what can we expect what happens in the first few days and then um and is it do you find that it's the same process every single day and you like uh, and you structured it that way or do you kind of customize it to each client or day one is day one well maybe walk me through 
I guess, what what is day one? What happens on day two? The two weeks start when my clients and I lock arms and we actually begin the the design feedback and building of the website. But the week before, I'm actually busy reviewing um, the answers to their vision journal. This is the workbook that I give all my clients that is kind of there's coaching in those pages. Um, I, I get them to spill the beans and tell me about their big vision of what they want their business to do for them. Not just, you know, how much I don't want to know, like how much they want to sell. I want to know why they want to have a business, why they're seeking to make money. What's the impact or the, their legacy? Um, and then I ask them a, a, a lot more questions to, to help me get that that sketch of not only what the business looks like now, but what it could look like. Because what I want to do is build them a brand with staying power. And so in order to do that, I need to know where they're going um, so that I can help them get there with their website and their business. Um, So yeah, the week before the answers to their vision journal are due, their images are due, and I get to work um, reviewing that coming up with a strategy um, of their copy, their web design, their visuals, everything so that it looks coherent and it's all supporting the same vision. Um, So on day one of the two-week website, this is when I first start the project with the, the client. They receive a presentation with this strategy with their branding. Um, and I've already written their website too. So I don't give them the copy until I let them in to see their website, but I already have it, <laughs> which is kind of like a little way to get ahead of, of things. Um, so yeah, the f- day one, they give me, they, I give them their, their brand presentation and their website strategy presentation. Day two, they give me feedback, and then I, I can fine-tune the branding if they have any edits. But usually, by the time we get there, it's not a very intense project because we've been communicating, and the vision journal is so detailed that I already know um, the direction that everything should have. Um, so that cuts back on, on brand edits. Um, and usually by Wednesday is when I start designing the website. So I, you know, go into their Squarespace if they're already on there or start a new site. And it's basically all about starting to put that copy, copy pasting the copy (laughs) into the website and making those design decisions, like what color looks better, where, where I'm in, like what color are my calls to action going to be? And by Friday, I give them access to it because I don't want them to peek at the messy middle. <laughs> so I give them access on Friday of the first week and they have all weekend to go in and explore and give, you know, write down feedback so that the second week is all about that feedback, about implementing, about making edits, about making it sound um authentic to them because obviously I am, you know, I want to get it right. And I do oftentimes get it right, but I want to even get it better. Excuse me. Um, And then usually we end up um, finishing the project before 
um, the two weeks are up, which I love. And then um, we have a, a handoff session where I actually show them how to use their website so that they're never stuck having to work with someone when they want to make a change. They can always pivot quickly on their ideas without having to wait for me to be available. <laughs> One thing that's sticking out in my mind is like, how do you control, and it seems like you're doing a great job at it, but like, how do you control the scope? How do you like keep the scope from creeping and like going way out in the weeds or like, um, or when you had these first kind of brand mood board, uh, strategy sessions with them that, you know, have you ever had a client that just had, had two, their ideas were so big and too big and you have to kind of like figure, maybe not figure out a way to like tamp down or like lower their expectations, but like, you know, given the fact that you only have two weeks to work on this, how do, how do you kind of control that or kind of keep the, you know, keep the cows in the fence? Um, yes, I've had that happen before. And let me just go back. My approach to it is just communicating very clearly from the discovery call that this is a two-week process and there's time limits to the tasks that we do so that they fit into that two-week website. And it's really important because I want to re be respectful of their expectations, expect uh, their expectations, respectful of my time and my time with my family and also respectful to the next client who is coming up. <laughs> I need a, I mean, I, ideally I always have a week in between clients for my own, you know, rest or to work on my business. And so I don't want to encroach on that time. Um, especially if I didn't book that week in between and I'm starting with another one, I never want to work with two clients at the same time. <laughs> Um, so I always communicate like, yes, like we are going to do all these things, but we have this container of time. And then if we need more time, for example, if the, the logo is not quite, it needs to be like tweaked a little bit more, but we're already like going into the web design phase. We'll work on it in week two, because week two is more about that feedback. Um, but usually it's not necessary. Um, however, when I have had it happen and I have clients who are very, um, detailed in how they want, um, their logo to be like how, like even I remember spending like 30 minutes picking the right beige, <laughs> <The client. laughs> not kidding. And, but I had, you know, I know my time limits. And so I'm like, okay, like we can do this, um, but, you know, it's at the expense of this other thing. So I always kind of want to have like that little trade off, like, yeah, we can work on this, but then it's going to leave a little bit less time for edits on this other thing. And usually they're really understanding and beautiful people. And yeah, <laughs> so I manage it and, you know, they are paying me a premium price. So I am a little bit flexible with my hours sometimes um, if I can do it. <laughs> but for mm -hmm. the most part, I try not to advertise that, but I guess now it's in a podcast. Cause it sounds like, you know, during this two week process that, uh, yeah, like the iron's hot, we got it. Like we, we have a very limited time, but in that limited time, they have, I won't say 24 seven access to you, but you know, they kind of have the, a call like the bat phone model with you, you know, you know, they have a problem. They think of something, they call you anytime in those two weeks and you're there for them. 
Like that's, and that's the appeal of it. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent theirs. I'm not busy with other clients or other projects, which I think is priceless because that's the kind of service that I would want if I was paying that price <laughs> to someone. I'd like, you know, I want access. I want, if I have a question about, oh, what should my opt-in be? Like, even though that's not within the scope of what I do necessarily, I am available to them to to brainstorm, to mastermind um, these things because I do want them to be successful. <laughs> we can go a little bit nerdy now. Let's talk about... Um... The fact that you, you use Squarespace and I guess the idea that uh, if you yourself were to code this or, um, you know, maybe maybe talk about the appeals or the kind of pros and cons of using a platform like Squarespace um, with your clients like this in this capacity versus um, any other template or, or maybe not maybe not like a commercial for Squarespace, but uh, just in general, like why Squarespace or why a template website versus, you know, coding your own or having someone uh, code it for the artist? My main desire for my clients is for them to be able to pivot on their ideas without depending on anybody. I want them to say, I want to launch a new collection and this is kind of what I have in mind for the concept. And I want to be, want them to be able to execute the executed on their websites. And if they hire a developer, um, they're not necessarily going to be able to execute on their vision or they're going to have to pay a lot of money to have that worked in. Um, what I've also seen is um, artists who pick other um, platforms, they're stuck. <laughs> they're stuck within the constraints of that platform and the template that they choose. So like if I go and do a website audit for them and tell them, this is where your calls to action need to be, or this is what you need on this section, they can't do it because the template doesn't give them that flexibility. Um, and then there's, I know there's another template that allows you to do these beautiful, beautiful websites are geared for photographers but sometimes it's like so much freedom that, you know, you go to mobile and it looks crazy. Text is overlapping. It's not optimized. I can't even click on anything because it's hidden behind text. And so for me, Squarespace and for my ideal customers is like the perfect medium where you have flexibility enough to execute uh, a conversion um, website. You know, that ones where you can put the calls to action where, where you need them to be, but also have enough structure so that your design makes sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so that's what I love about it. And, you know, ultimately, there's it's such an easy platform to learn that they don't have to come back to me unless they want to. They can always set up another page. They can always update their shop. Um, and they're not stuck. Yeah, because I I think the whole appeal to all of this is that you're coming in and to an artist who really they just want to get back to their business. They want to get back to creating and selling, um, and to sit you know to sit on a website and try to learn the you know learn every how to watch every how to guide on how to use the website um, takes away from their ability to you know, make their products, sell their products and, and keep running their business. Absolutely. Artists aren't <laughs> web designers, you know, that's not where they want to be spending their time. They want to be at the canvas or deep in, in, in clay. Um, 
And, and so Squarespace really allows for that freedom to happen so that when they come to their website because they need to make an update, they can be in and out um, quickly. And then my, my two-week website clients, I know that if you know something takes me 10 minutes or less to help them with like or fix, I'm right there. Um, or they can also hire me for bigger updates that they don't want to take on. <laughs> now, if someone, if they're a, maybe they're a photographer out there or a graphic designer and they're thinking about, uh, you know, almost get, let's, let's get into a little like kind of service design. They're thinking about designing a service like this or designing, packaging up something, uh, maybe something like this or a, or a design sprint or, a. Um, what are some things to kind of keep in mind or uh, when you were kind of first starting out uh, offering this two-week package, you know, what are some things to keep in mind? What are th- some things to be aware of and maybe some things to watch out for? There's several things that need to happen. First, you need to validate that idea that that service actually fits the people who you're intending it for. So, you know, trying to get... Um, your ideal customers on a call to ask them questions um, is, is difficult. And sometimes it's, you know, it's difficult if you're an introvert, like to, to want to jump with a total stranger on a zoom call or a call to discuss what their needs are to validate your idea. But it's so worth it because you can get a good grasp on what's actually needed. If it is a great idea for your niche and also more ideas of how you know what they need what they don't need because sometimes what we think they need might be slightly different um so you know getting to know your ideal customer getting on the phone with them and asking them questions about this idea that you have and what their needs are um helps you define your offer and also it's a great way to get copy for your website because you want to use the words that they're saying their problems and their challenges and touch on those on your website so if you can record it do it and come back to it when you're writing your website um and then you know once you do that and you say you have like a great idea a great offer already sketched out you want to make sure that you you turn kind of now towards you and say, okay, what, what boundaries do I need to put around this offer so that it can be repeatable? Um, and so that it doesn't drain me. Um, so for me, that meant, you know, one client at a time, the two week website and timing every single task so that it fits within that container of time. But for a photographer, it might mean something different. Um, so defining those things, those non-negotiables, those edges uh, where you're going to work is really important. And then with those two things put together, then you can hopefully create this really beautiful, um, repeatable service that will be a great fit for your ideal customer. With a product like this or with a service like this, um, and you know you have it on your website, was it at first natural to put the price forward as, uh, you know, here's the price of, of this two week package, or is that something that, you know, if it is more expensive that to kind of hide the price and get into more of a consultative sales process, um, 
you know, where, where do you see the kind of like pricing a, a product or a service like this? And if someone is trying to think about making a product or a service, um, should their price be front and center or should it be behind closed doors? That is a dilemma, isn't it? <laughs> um, I always put my price out there <laughs> because I want to be really transparent and the last thing that I want to do is for somebody to get really excited about something and then realize that it's not the right time for that investment um, for them, that it's not a great fit. And I do offer payment packages and all of that, um, so so that helps. But I personally feel that transparency is really important to me. And I don't want to, when I, for example, if I'm going to jump on and, and hire somebody to do something, I want to have an idea of how much it costs <laughs> before I decide to, to jump on a call. Um, I've been on sales calls where, you know, I don't know the price and then I have to talk to them. And it's like the sales process on a call for me felt so intense that I knew that I didn't want that. I didn't want to put my clients on a call and then push them to make a decision that didn't make them feel comfortable on the spot. That to me feels cringy, <laughs> but there's people who are great um, selling their, you know, kind of closing the deal over the phone or on a zoom call, but that's not me. So that's why I love that. When somebody jumps on a call with me, they already have, um, they already know what the investment is. And so it does the the in-person selling a lot easier for me. <laughs> okay, so Mariana, where can we find your work? Where can we find your website? You know, plug away. I'm currently at Desk and Design on Instagram. Um, you can also go and check out my website at deskanddesign.com. And I hope to see you there. All right. Well, Mariana, thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jordan. Okay, episode's over. Before you swipe away, I have two things for you to check out. Okay, maybe three, but just kind of stick with me. Number one is my daily email for photographers. Each day I'm sending out short, actionable lessons on how to improve the business side of your photography business. You'll learn about marketing, strategy, pricing your work, and so much more. Sign up for the first five lessons on jordanpanderson.com. It's my name with .com. It's, it's pretty easy to remember. Number two, and this is a big one, I'm offering one-on-one -on -one coaching for photographers who are looking to accelerate their business, get consistent leads, and build a brand they're proud of. Schedule a time to chat at jordanpanderson.com slash coaching. Last is number three. It's this podcast. I'm not asking you to subscribe or go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a little bit, it's a little bit overdone. But I am asking you to go back, find an episode that resonates with you, download it, and give it a listen. My name is Jordan P. Anderson. I help photographers who hate marketing, and I'll see you on the next episode.